It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. The Utes destroy the dirty, dirty Trojans of USC. And we look ahead as Utah gets ready to take on the Sun Devils. I'm Cameron and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. What is up? How we doing? We are on cloud nine after that win, that's for sure. 42 to 26. I never doubted it. Never oh, doubted you're it the one, in a you're, second. You picked him to lose. Don't, don't go there. <laughs> oh, I'm the only what? one that picked him to win. I, uh... I enjoy doing these podcasts a lot better after a win like that than uh, <laughs> than what we've had the first four weeks of the season. Huh? Utah football's back. That was that was awesome, and I mean to make it even better, I was lucky enough to be there for it. But what what a game! What a performance by these guys. So I want to get in the game, but before we do that, Ryan, I just I, I've never been to the Coliseum. I'm kind of curious. How was the atmosphere, the, the just everything that entails kind of with that historical stadium? But, you know, what, what was your experience like going to the game? It was cool. It was definitely really cool to be there um, just because of where it is uh, in the Coliseum. But, I mean, I think from from the from an atmosphere standpoint, it wasn't what I expected. I think that it has part, something to do with the down year that USC is having you know, and being in LA, you know, how most of their fans are apathetic unless they're, you know, running over people week after week. So the, this, that giant stadium was uh, probably half or less than half full. Ute section was, was uh, pretty pretty tightly packed and loud so it was fun to be part of that uh, i will tell you i got so sick of their band playing in our ears constantly do they what, play, what, do they play anything but their like fight song uh i don't think so it was the same thing over and over and over again and then what made it worse was utah's band which is right next to us just it was like battle of the bands is every time USC started playing Utah's band would just play over the top of them. It was, it was just kind of annoying. Well, it's because you and the bands were 400 yards away from the field. (laughs) I know they put, they put the visitors (laughs) like, I mean, out on I five, but no, it was, I mean, overall it was, it was fun. we, my son and I got to go to. We got there early, walked around the whole thing, took pictures. Uh, no, it was definitely fun, and one of those things that uh, you need to do if you have the opportunity to do it. Uh, but dang, from a from the game standpoint, though, the way the youths performed, it was just awesome to be a part of it. So, Ryan, probably the thing that's on everyone's mind, as far as food, how does it compare to Rice Eccles? Do they have Cowboy, I'm going to say it wrong, not hot dogs, cowboy corn dogs. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I did not see any corn dogs. I, did, they, they, did, did they have uh, the 19th Ward young men serving their concessions? <laughs> that, that they did not. They, their concessions were, I mean, they had so many concession stands just in general. And... It's not like it's not set up at all like Ricecycles. It's all the the concourse, so to speak, is on the exterior of the entire stadium. 
and it's all open and outdoors and much, you walk much different than rice oh. <laughs> and you walk the the and granted their stadium is is huge compared to rice but you walk around the whole thing and they've got all sorts of concessions and food trucks and different things and um lots of options and and then no they didn't run out of hamburgers and no they didn't run out of water uh, so from a concession standpoint, uh, much better than Ricicles. Well, I am super jealous. And I mean, so Utah hasn't beaten USC in California so that was, uh, since, what, 1916. Oh, everyone's sick of seeing it. So, Ryan, you were able to see the two wins that Utah has had against USC in California. You're that old. Oh, boy. <laughs> What's in my pocket, piece? <laughs> So honestly, this is I think this was the Utah team that everyone was expecting coming out of fall camp, right? Just a dominating performance and and really we haven't seen Utah play this well in every phase of the game all year long. And it was just exciting. The the old line, their best game of the year by far, Cam Rising. I took I think took a huge step from their game against Washington State. And honestly, everything that this team has faced, the you know, with with the rough games early on in the season, and then you know the the death with Aaron Lowe, the team came to play, and that was an exciting, fun game to watch. Well, and I think that just comes down to we finally have a leader at the quarterback position. You've got a guy who is dynamic passing the ball. I mean, Kyle Whittingham said it himself; he's an alpha. He, he, he controls a room. He demands, he demands people's attention. And that's what you need out of a quarterback. My, my question is when, when I hear these comments from Kyle post game about uh, rising, just praising him for his ability, his leadership, then why was this guy not, not a bit to well, be your starter coming out of fall camp? That's, I guess, you know, and obviously he, he had his reasons at the time. But, I, you know, there was a reason that uh, Brewer was not picked as a team captain. Well, he was kind of a loner. And, I mean, those things are important at the quarterback position. you got to have guys that want to go play for you. And, and you're seeing that. You're seeing just a complete different energy from the offense. I'm not even talking defense, the whole team. Just looking at the offense. A different energy, a different command of the offense. Some, I mean, he's got swagger out there. I mean, he's he's on fourth and one going into halftime. He's, you know, basically calling and talking the coaching staff into running, uh, running the flea flicker. I mean, it's just just unbelievable what what he has done. Now, granted, it is one game, and and the, the question is going to be moving forward. Can this be duplicated? And is this the type of offense we can expect to see moving forward? We'll have to, we'll get into that. But just a complete 180 from, from this offense, which was so good to see. I mean, you're absolutely right. But that swagger and that energy that he brings to the, to the team. And I think we've seen that since he entered in the second half of the San Diego State game. Now, obviously, that game didn't pan out as a win. The team reacted differently as soon as he got in, as we've all, as we've talked about, and the offense had their troubles against Washington State with the turnovers, but were able to move the ball and and move, you know get up and down the field, and eventually win that game. And then I think it, every week they've just gotten a little bit better, and that swagger and that leadership were huge from Rising. Well, and, and and I think you know a big chunk of that goes to the credit of the offensive line. You know, we took myself included. We took plenty of shots at them early on in this season, and you know they're not a finished product. And you know I wouldn't say that we're going to hang our hat on them right now, but you're seeing a lot of improvement from these guys, both in the pass protection. Why well, I would say more in the pass protection, and then even even some additional improvement in the run game. But they they have really, really improved. And Kump goes out, you know, um, in the middle of the game, inslides Bam, 
and and actually did a pretty good job. Things continued to 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 go well offensively, you know. So if it, again, that's another trend that's got to continue to see improvement. The wide receiver group. I mean, come on, guys! Money Park's getting TDs. Half the, <laughs> half the fan base didn't even know he was still on the team. <laughs> what the? I think the best part of that play was he was the only receiver in the formation. Well, not yeah. the formation. Covey went in motion. The only receiver who went out for a pass. Yeah, well, I, I remember seeing that formation and thinking, you know, just pre-snap, well, this is a run, you know, and then he goes back to pass, and you're right. He, there's one guy out there, so it's either pass the ball to him. If he's not open, you're you're probably throwing the ball away, maybe seeing if you can get anything out of it with your legs. But just just an exciting brand of football offensively from Utah. And that's not something we're able to say very often. But, but you're right. But but what's ha- I mean, what has happened? I mean, even in the Washington State game, we saw some pretty basic vanilla play calling. This game was completely different. Oh, I, I honestly think it comes down to having that swagger that that Rising's bringing to this team and the team is playing better because of it. I, I don't think you can, as an offensive coordinator, are you going to trust your guys to run a flea flicker when they can't do simple things? And so I think, you know, over the course of Washington State and now against USC, they're doing the simple things, doing the basic offense that they're running and they're doing it well, then Ludwig can kind of build off of that and kind of do these more, you know, exciting, more riskier plays that I we saw a lot against USC. I think you're right. And I think you even build off that a little bit more. And I think I think a lot of that depends on who your opponent is, right? We we talked about this last week on the podcast. If Utah was gonna win, they're gonna have to put points up on the board. You know, 18 to 21 points was not gonna get the job done. They had to put points up on the board. And in order to do that, you got to be aggressive. So I think going in, they had an aggressive game plan knowing, hey, we just can't sit back and run the ball, pass it 15 times a game, and expect to beat these guys on the road with as potent as they are offensively. So I think that played a factor in just saying, hey, we got to be aggressive. We've got to go score points. And then to your point, Cam, when when Ludwig and Whittingham see the guys being effective offensively, executing the plays, that just has to give give them more confidence to say, hey, we've, we're just going to keep the pedal down and keep going. It's working. Why stop? I was kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised after it played out, that they gave Tavian Thomas so much run in the second half. I mean, he started the second half. Um, and of course we all know how that, how that played out, but I mean, props to, to Whittingham. I mean, obviously they've worked on his ball security over the last few weeks because he hasn't had a lot of, a lot of carries, uh, until the other night, but, um, dang, if, if you can get him going and he can hold onto the ball, I mean, that just adds so much more to this offense too. So I, I do want to talk about Tavian Thomas. And Scott, I want to give you your 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 platform because I know you've been hyping them up. We we got to take a quick break when we come back. I really want to talk about Tavian Thomas and his performance. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so Tavian Thomas had his best game um, as a Ute. 16 carries, 113 yards. Like I said before we went to the break, Scott, you have been singing his praises ever since he committed and signed with the Utes. I don't like doing this to you because you have such a big head and a big ego. <laughs> but I will allow you. I will allow you a free forum. Go ahead, Tavian Thomas. 
All right, Cam, th- this is your cue. Play the music. Bound chicken. Wow, wow. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. Well, you you, you want to know why he, Kyle kept giving him the ball? When you average 7.1 yards a carry, you're going to keep getting the ball. Has, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. As many times as he's put the ball on the, on the ground, Kyle just keeps going back to him. It doesn't matter. And and that just tells you what this coaching staff thinks of Tavion Thomas is regardless, they're going to give him every opportunity to be the guy. And for the first time outside of Weber State, he took advantage of it. And he just continued to run. I mean, especially late in the game, Utah's got that big lead. They're trying to drain some clock, yet still, still obviously being being aggressive through the passing game. But they didn't sub him out. They didn't bring in any anybody else, even with his fumble issues. And knowing that USC and you saw it on a lot of those plays, they were going for the ball. They know his history as well. They need they needed a big play to get the ball back. And Utah kept feeding him, and he kept producing. Getting first downs, getting chunk plays, keeping the keeping the the momentum going. I'll tell you, he's if if that's the Tavion we're going to get moving forward. Watch out because you still got a, you still got a pledger, you still got uh, Bernard for a change of pace, spelling him off. But uh, I, I think it's pretty clear if he holds on to the ball, he will be the feature back in this offense. So if you remember when we had Jordan win on. Uh, the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, that was one thing we asked him about with Davion Thomas is what can you do, you know, for a guy that kind of has some fumbling issues. Um, and he said, that, you know, there's drills and you just work it day after day. And when Tavion had his his long touchdown run, it was you know, that 40 yarder that he took to the house. The thing I loved about that is he had that ball up up and tight and close to his chest the entire time, even when no one was near him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, to me, that whole just speaks volumes of this team and what they're doing and how they're approaching the season. And, you know, it could have been so easy for this team and this coaching staff to, you know, drop two games early out of conference, the tragedy uh, that that the, they faced two in the in the last year, and you know, kind of, kind of just take it in for the rest of the year, right? And 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 not push yourself, and and not try to get this team back on track. But I think that run in particular, to me, just showed how much they're putting into this to try to make this season, you you know, special. And they're trying, you know, they're they still have their goals ahead of them. And they're still working their butts off to try to achieve those goals, even with all the obstacles that this team has faced. And I, I think, uh, you know, obviously the next position group I, I, I want to hit on is the receiving core. Uh, Solomon Enos was dressed, but he, he didn't play at all. Jalen Dixon didn't make the trip. Uh, and so they're yeah, shorthanded. Uh, any, any new, any inside news on what's going on there? Because, you know, we, we, we saw we saw Enos uh, warming up. Obviously, he was out there taking catching passes in the warmups and didn't see the field. So, well, on TV we saw Solomon. You know, was was being a teammate, right? When guys were scoring and coming to the bench, he was high five and you know getting them hype. Um, and we're recording this Monday night. As of now, there hasn't been any news on Enos or or Dixon. I, I would imagine that Kyle would get asked about it in his Tuesday presser. And so maybe by the time this is, is, is published in the, in the world of podcasting, it always seems like news happens after we record. Uh, we just don't know at this point. I did see his mom. It was asked on Twitter and his mom responded that he's a little dinged up uh, for Solomon um, for Solomon. So uh, whether that, you know, obviously we don't know. We don't know if, 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 yeah, maybe it's disciplinary. Maybe he's dinged up. Uh, maybe both of them are dinged up. Who knows? But, but one thing, one thing that was clear and what stood out was the wide receiver group going up against a very talented USC secondary. 
did not did not look outmatched. No, not at and all. And they did they did not look like the the weak link of the offensive unit that you know has been long talked about. This this group. I mean, you you go across. Bailey came up huge. Had four receptions, eighty four yards. Obviously, that TD on on the flea flicker. Britton was an absolute stud. Theo gets that one deep pass when he got that great release up the sideline. Man, I wish we I I wish we target him a little bit more because the dude just catches everything that comes his I do way. Too. Just what while while we're, while you're talking about that particular play though. That was a huge in that part of the game where it happened because they're down ten to seven. The Utes are down ten to seven at that point, and it's third down. And if you don't get that, you're about to punt the ball back to them. That could have swung either way. That's kind of a gutsy play call yeah. to go deep on third down. Well, and, and you saw that throughout the game. There were a lot of just uncharacteristic plays and calls by this unit. And, you know, we talked about that back in the BYU podcast as far as being predictable. And Utah, you know, you know what they're going to do on first down. You know you know the type of plays they're going to run, other, the, the basic formations that they run. This game, you didn't see any of that. Maybe, you know, maybe we were, we really were holding everything back until this game. <laughs> but... But you just saw a more creative offense. They they weren't afraid to take shots. They weren't afraid to take shot after shot. And I think some of those early, early deep balls, that softened up the secondary for USC. When they can't be as aggressive in the run game when they know you're gonna run a flea flicker. When you're gonna you're gonna continue to throw the ball down the field. Those that secondary has to play back. And it just opened everything else up for this offense. And my man, my takeaway from this is I just hope, obviously Ludwig knows what he's doing. Kyle knows what he's doing. But I hope this is just, just a reminder to them to say, look, when we're aggressive, good things can happen. Let's not be so afraid of making a mistake. Let rising go, man. He's got the talent. He's got the ability. Let him go make plays. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, in kind of when you were talking about not being predictable, I mean, there's another play came to mind uh, when they were uh, we were on on their goal line trying to punch it in, and we were lined up in a in kind of like a, a jumbo type package with a fullback who goes in motion like he's going to run block. I mean, I think all every Utah fan goes, okay, we know what's happening. They're going to run. because We're, running, they have we're, we're running to the – not only are we going to run, we're going to run to the left side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what do they do? The tight end slips out, and he is wide open. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think there were two dudes wide open on that play. <laughs> No, it was it was great, and just, again, that's just something that hopefully this offense. And I, I honestly think that Rising, he he's going to force Ludwig to be more aggressive, you know, because it, he just seems like he's got he's got that mentality, and he and he's got that charisma to get in there and be like, let me do this, let us let us go to show you we can do it, and then he goes out and does it. So again, this is one game. I don't want to overreact because for all we know, we could, uh, you know, go right back into what we've seen through the first four weeks, but a huge positive sign from, uh, from this offense and, and really the team in general after a really tough couple of weeks after the, the death of, of Aaron Lowe. So, you know, and, 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 uh, Covey or, uh, or as he's called during the broadcast, Covey. You know he 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 had a he had a real few poignant remarks after that game as far as how how the, that situation brought this team together, and they've got a, a renewed and a greater focus moving forward of just playing for each other, and you, you know it just seemed like through the first four weeks of the season this team was in their own head, you know whether the expectations that were on them preseason whatever the case was and things weren't going well, they just looked like they were in their own head and couldn't get out. 
And I think through this situation where their focus turned away from football for a little bit and focused on something more important, I think it, I think it just helped all of them reset. And then they, they came out and they just played football. Because we've been saying this all along. They've got the talent. They've got the ability to perform like this week in and week out, which is why it was so strange that we were getting these performances early. But I, I really think that this is going to be a positive mark and give these guys so much confidence moving forward. Okay, before we go to break and talk about the defense, because uh, I, I really want to talk about some studs on, on defense. Uh, obviously, rising Pac-12 player of the week, the you know MVP uh, for the Utes on the offensive side of the ball. But outside of rising, who do you think had the best game? Who kind of you know stood out to you in your minds? Uh, Scott, we'll kick it over to you first. Who, who's your player of the game? Man, outside of rising, I got I got to go with my guy, Tavion. Man, one thirteen, a huge run there in the third quarter, which really broke it open. He protected the ball. He just kept the running game moving in the right direction all night long. Kept getting first downs. It's my guy, TT. Not only was he was he running the ball great, but his blocking in the past game was phenomenal. Very good on Tavian Thomas. Uh, Ray, where are you going? I gotta, I'm gonna actually go with the tight end group as a whole because their pass protection and their run blocking were huge in this game. Obviously, they had, I mean, Keithy and Kincaid had some nice, uh, you know, receptions and not and whatnot. But I think a key, a big key to that. I mean, I don't know if you saw the clip though. Uh, on Tavian's long touchdown run, um, all three tight ends were in there blocking and really opened up that gap for him to get through. So I'm going to go with the tight ends. Hey, Cam, is yeah. it any surprise that he's sitting on the fence with <laughs> Whatever. all of them instead of picking one guy? He doesn't pick one guy. I, I will <laughs> say I did love that we finally got to see the, the fly sweep with Keithy. I don't think we've I seen it all you, year. Cam, when that happened. <laughs> I love that play. Uh, for me, I got to go with uh, Devon Vele. Uh, dude just came out and balled out four catches, 84 yards, and, and the touchdown uh, that, that Scott mentioned off the flea flicker. Uh, but honestly, for a kid, a Southern California kid, uh, you know, growing up in the shadows there of the Coliseum, to be able to, to, to do that as a student athlete. Um, just, just phenomenal and really kind of his break coming out game, uh, as, as a Ute, you know, there's been a lot of hype from him, uh, for some time now, and we really haven't seen that translate on the field. Uh, but I, I really think that was his best game of, of his Ute career so far. All right. So we're up against it. Uh, we come back, let's talk defense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so the defense came to play, uh, and, and honestly, I think it's just a continuation of what we saw against Washington State. Um, I think all three of us had said that they took a step forward um, against Washington State, uh, and then I think they took even another step against USC. And, and really, Clark Phillips did a phenomenal job um, against London, uh, the wide receiver for USC. And I, I kind of thought that was going to be the, the matchup that, you know, USC was going to really take advantage of uh, with the height difference there and the youth and Phillips. But, you know, Phillips held his own, um, didn't get a pick in the game, but really kept Lendon in, in check as, as best he could and limited him just to the one touchdown. And, and I really think that was key in preventing this USC offense because that's their number one guy. That's their one target that they love to get the ball to. Well, and the crazy thing about that, Cam, is I, I, I think 
everybody would completely agree with you. And then you go and you look at, at London's numbers. <laughs> he almost set a, a school record for 16 receptions. And uh, but out of those 16 receptions, it was it was just a lot of a lot of catches between the 20s. You know, they he wasn't getting killed in the red zone. He and and I mean, I, I completely agree with you, even though you look at those numbers, he had a positive impact on the field and it had had a couple really crucial tackles and pass breakups um, and giving up that much size. I thought he did tremendous. Um but I, dude, I, I think, I think, defensively, you got to go with uh, Kimoy Latu, who uh, is uh, my uh, defensive breakout player of the year. I'll just, I'll just add that in there. No, that but was Latu's. I think his best game of the season as well. Ten to ten tackles, man. He was all over the place. And the thing that I love about him is, you know, we there's some safeties that we've had that just just bring it. And that he is one of those guys. He makes his impact known just because he lays dudes out. Or as I said on Twitter, he pounds dudes. <laughs> <laughs> you had a couple of uh, nice phrasing tweets on Saturday. Hey, when you're tweeting fast in the heat of the moment and it's pandemonium, you just go. There's no proofreading. You just go. And... I'll tell you, man, though, he, he came up big, but uh, defensively, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those things. There's a part of me that thought, man, defensively, we did really well and we did stop in the run. But sec- our, our secondary kind of still left me a little nervous. Gave up a ton of plays and a ton of chunk plays through the air. I mean, is that something that concerns you guys, especially with USC com- or ASU coming to town? I mean, it's definitely concerning, and and I see where you're coming from, uh, but I, the, I think the thing a lot with this USC offense is they're gonna get up, they're gonna put up numbers, right? They're gonna get a lot of yardage. They are a very talented skill set players. There's a reason why USC pulls in five star recruits um, year after year after year. I think the best thing that you can do is, is just try to contain it and not let it overrun you and not let it get the game out of control and out of hand. I mean, we talked about Phillips and Lendon, and yeah, Lendon, looking at his stats, had a great game, 16 receptions, 162 yards, and the touchdown, but they kept him in check. They didn't let him run them over, and I think that was, I think for me, that's the big difference uh, with the secondary this weekend's USC, is yes, USC was able to get those stats able to move the ball in between the 20s like you said Ryan or Scott but when push came push came to sub they they buckled down and I just I, I'm not too concerned there's still some youth there they're growing but I'm not concerned well I also think I mean there I think there is some some concern for sure but I think partly that was the game plan going there. you we all know the athletes and the, really the size of some of those receivers USC has. So the game plan to me looked like, you know, try not to get, don't let anything behind you. If they, if they, you know, if they get a 15 yard pass, fine, whatever, but don't let it, let it behind you and, and make the tackle. Um, and, and that's what they did for the most part. There, there was a couple of mistakes like that fourth and 18 they gave up. There was some confusion in the secondary, which I think is going to come uh, from a young from a young secondary like we have. But overall, I think they played really well. Um, and and I think going into ASU, though, I think you're going to have a little bit different. You've got you also now have that running quarterback uh, with Daniels. I, I, he doesn't have. I don't think he has the arm strength or the accuracy that a uh, Slavis has. Um, so if you can make him a passing quarterback and eliminate the run, that's that's a win. So so if I told you guys Drake London goes for 16 catches, 162 yards, and Slovis throws for 401, how many points do you think we're losing by? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. A- after two years ago, our last trip to the Coliseum? Oh, for sure. 
it's it's mind blowing. You look over these stats, and if you didn't watch the game, you, it'd be you'd be a little weirded out as far as <laughs> how this game went. But uh, no, I mean, I I, uh, I I I do have some of that concern still. Um, we've got overall, I think we're good in the secondary. We're just not great. And I think our, we've got to continue to get better safety play in the passing game. Um, and, and we gotta, we gotta create some turnovers. That's, that's the other thing about this game is Utah was doing this with long fields. They didn't get the defense wasn't turning USC over and giving the offense short fields to score all of these points. And and yet look at what that offense was able to do. So if this defense, that's I think where we need to see improvement. They're doing really good at the bend don't break, but that's the next the next step is is getting some more turnovers, whether that's causing fumbles, interceptions, but finding a way to get get uh, the opposing offense off the field and get Utah's offense back on it and get, and get some of those huge momentum swing turnovers. Scott, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I don't think Utah's secondary is is the best right now in the Pac-12. My whole point was that USC, you got to give them their due, right? USC is a talented team. They're going to get their their yards. They're going to put up some points. Um, but to limit USC to 26 points with while giving up those those yards, I I think that I think that's a win. I I honestly do. And and and, and not to cut you off, but yeah. it's really 18 points. I mean, we gave up that stupid last second pointless touchdown and two point conversion. Otherwise, we're holding these guys to 18 points, which in reality, I didn't I didn't think was possible. So overall, it is it is good what they were able to do and how they showed. Um, I just I just I just hope that we can maybe shrink those big chunk plays through the passing game as the season progresses. Um, and it, most definitely, and I, I think a part of that too is the defensive line and getting pressure. And honestly, I thought the defensive line uh, it. I mean, I, I just I just feel like I'm I'm saying every group position group played great, uh, but I was very impressed with the defensive line. And you know, we've kind of talked about um, over the last couple of weeks if guys aren't getting it done, if if seniors aren't getting it done, start plugging in the younger guys, get guys in there that that will make plays. And I think we're seeing that, especially on the def- the defensive line, you're seeing younger guys getting more reps. And making those plays, and one guy I want to give a shout out to, Xavier Carlton. I've been big on this kid ever since. Is that Juan Diego? I, I just I love the local kids that that stay here that play for Utah. And we saw Xavier get moved to the inside, a defensive tackle, uh, a position we haven't seen him at all year. And you know, I thought he played great. He had three tackles. Um, you know, coming in to relieve a couple reps there. Uh, but I I really like what Scally is doing. And and moving guys around, uh, and we saw Reed uh, at linebacker again. You know the, these younger guys that are getting reps and making the most out of it. Cam, you know, not only are we we're seeing some different faces show up and guys, you know, sliding around, but Scally brings out the three-three front this this uh, this week against USC. It just brings a little bit different wrinkle. Kyle talked about it post game. That just allowed them to show show a few different things to this offense and disguise some coverages um, a little bit better with what they wanted to do, um, and and so that again that's just one more thing that this defense can can build off upon, and as they you know as as ASU comes to town and uh, Mr. Daniels just keep confusing him, keep changing things up. And man, yeah, the, the defensive line, these young guys, I'll tell you, I, I really like the progress that this team is showing really position by position right now. All right. That will kind of do it on our thoughts, uh, on the Utah USC game. Um, and, and again, you know, I'll just, as a fan hats off to this team, this coaches, the players, this this whole program that they're they're able to do what they're doing despite the challenges that they faced. 
Um, and as as a fan, I, I appreciate it, and and just the joy it was to watch them just go out there and, and give it their all and have success on the field uh, was just phenomenal. Utah Fort two twenty six over USC, their first win in the Coliseum, phenomenal. Uh, when we come back, let's hit up Utah and ASU. All right, so the Utes will welcome in the Sun Devils from Arizona State this Saturday. Uh, ASU is favored by, as we're recording this, favored by one. Uh, so a pretty evenly matchup game, uh, what Vegas has. Uh, Arizona's coming in 5-1 and one on the year, 3-0 and oh in conference with wins over Stanford, UCLA, and Colorado. Their one loss was against BYU, uh, kind of the only common opponent between Utah and ASU. Where are you guys feeling in this game? And can I get this out of the way? I hate ASU. <laughs> Don't like them. I love this game because it's turned into a rivalry. It really has a lot of recruits come down to these two schools. Brian Thompson, who played at the U, is now at ASU. Granted, he only has three catches on the year. I'm excited for this game. Dude, Cam, I cannot wait for Saturday evening, 8 p.m. Or, or excuse me, I mean 7 p.m., fans. <laughs> the game starts at 7, which means you should be in your seats by 7.30. <laughs> no, joking aside, come on. This is This Utah football team deserves to have one of the best environments that we've seen at Rice-Eccles Stadium. This is a huge game. Obviously, ASU, Utah, the only two undefeated Pac-12 teams currently within the obviously within conference play. And the winner of this game is in the driver's seat to win the South. So it's huge for that reason. It's huge. It's the first home game since the death of Aaron Lowe. It's an 8 p.m. game, which is where we thrive. Fans can get it in, in, in their seats on time. New stadium. I'm telling you, it better be rocking. I'm, I would be there right now if, I, if my wife would let me. I'm that jacked for this game. I think it's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait either. And uh, it's going to be it, – it better be completely full kickoff because, as it's, it's Scott said, this, fan, this team needs the support. And um, nothing better to get a game of this importance started off right because I, I, I honestly think whoever wins this game takes the South. Yeah, I – I, I think it's so pivotal because you lose this game. You now have to uh, – ASU needs at least two losses with you still winning out. So it, it'll it be pivotal, um, whoever wins this game moving forward. But I'm telling you, I think we all hate ASU. There's just something about that program. They're <laughs> cheaters. They're ridiculous. They have, they have this – they walk around like they own the Pac-12 and they've never done anything in it. <laughs> Since Jake Plummer, so give me a break, ASU fans, and and we and the best part of all, we get to welcome Brian Thompson and all three of his receptions, seventeen yards. I fell out of the bed this morning and got eighteen yards. Brian, are you kidding me? You didn't want to be a part of this offense. The USC game last Saturday, that was for you, Brian. We dedicated that game to you. I, I do love that he he goes to ASU because he wants to get the ball more and it's just not getting it. Yes, all those reasons I I do not like ASU. Uh, and like I said, it it's it's become a rivalry. The game is chippy between these and, two and, programs. And what what is it, Cam? Because I don't hate USC. I love going up against USC. I don't hate them. I don't hate UCLA. I don't. I hate Arizona basketball, but I don't hate Arizona football. Colorado, there's nothing to hate there either. I just can't stand ASU. I think it started when we got in the conference with uh, Britney Spears' microphone coach down there. 
Graham. Oh, oh yeah, Todd Graham. I just I just think they're bitter because Utah's only been in the league for eleven years and we've already surpassed them. <laughs> I, I really think it, when it comes down to ASU and Utah, there there's there's been a couple recruiting battles uh, for players between the two programs, right? I mean, uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, perfect example, quarterback, starting quarterback for ASU. You know, it came down to ASU and and Utah. Uh, and then there was uh, Jordan Wilmore, you know, no longer with the Utes, uh, but it came down to ASU or, or Utah for Jordan Wilmore. And so I just kind of think because they go head to head so much on the recruiting trail, I kind of think that translates onto the field. Uh, and, you know, there has been games where it has been chippy. And I'll admit on both sides of the ball uh, in this, you've had family members of players that have inserted themselves into this rivalry uh, and coaches as well. Um, I, I, I don't know. Remember that time they, they, uh, they tried to take Zach Moss out of the game. Remember that time that they did that illegal hit on Solomon Enos on a kickoff? Really? It was, it was two years ago. Wasn't it the 19th season that they came in here and really tried to take out Huntley and Moss in the same game. Mm -hmm. Moss comes back obviously after that uh, after that uh, that hit and breaks the school record and Utah goes on to victory and uh, Jaden Daniels was just uh, he was awful in that game Utah just had him completely confused and were hitting him all night long I'm telling you man this has got to be an environment where we make it so difficult on them if if you watch the ASU BYU game. The BYU fans were so loud. That place was electric. ASU could not snap the ball to save their life. They had so many penalties. They fell apart. I think in a similar situation, we can do the exact same to them. I'm telling you, Ute fans, if you have tickets, be there. If you can't be there, give them to somebody who can. This place has to be rolling. I think Utah definitely can get all that energy from the fan base, all, all that noise from the fan base. The more they can get, the better. Because honestly, ASU is the best team Utah will face so far this season. Uh, 18th in the country. Uh, but I think honestly, on all three phases of the game, this is the best team Utah will face up to this point. Uh, I think the one thing that does kind of scare me uh, going into this game is ASU only allows 16 points a game. And for a Utah team that has struggled with an offense consistently, that does worry me. Well, ASU's got good line play. Their offensive line has been good with their ability to run the ball so far this year. And it's kind of a two-headed monster out of the quarterback position along with Rashad White. You know, Rashad White's starting running back. He's kind of their go-to guy. He's kind of like a Zach Moss. In the event they they utilize him a lot in the passing game, he's got a ton of receptions. He and he he's quick. He's 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 a really good player. And then Jaden Daniels, I mean he's he's the second leading rusher on the team, team uh, with 412 yards so far on, on on the year. So he he likes to run, and and he's very a very capable runner, which is where you know, containment is going to have to be huge. And I just hope that we do not utilize the same game plan we had at BYU. <laughs> Throw that one in the garbage. Never look at it again. Please come up with a better game plan than that. And 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 when there's opportunities to hit him, I mean, he weighs like, his, he weighs like 170. The dude is a feather. Just pound him into the ground. And I'll tell you, man. Dude, I am jacked for this game. Whatever game plan they used in 19, break that one out. Obviously, we had uh, more experience in the secondary and the D-line than we have now. But uh, and if you can get that game plan, that worked like like a lucky charm in, uh, in 19. I, I will say with Jaden Daniels, the thing uh, that I am excited to see in that matchup is what Scally does with the linebackers. And if he plays three linebackers again on the field with Lloyd, Sewell, and Reed, I mean, you can have one guy spying on Daniels every single play. Watch out. 
Watch out. I really like that. I I, I think uh, you've got three you've got three really good athletes uh, in that position with with speed. Um, that, that I I think that's gonna I think that could play dividends down the road. Yes, right. And hopefully, you know, Scally can utilize those three talented linebackers that really can cover sideline to sideline, uh, and that we've been seeing it for two games in a row now. Uh, they can utilize that, keep Jaden Daniels in check, because I think if you can contain him, uh, you can contain this offense uh, for Arizona State. As far as what Utah needs to do uh, against Arizona State from an offensive standpoint, I think Utah's really got to run the ball. And and I think they can. I mean, they they they've got a a decently, you know, they've got a a good defensive line, but you know they they are giving up over a hundred yards on the ground every game, and so we're going to be able to get our our yards through uh, on the ground. I I think it's going to be pivotal that Rising Man can have a similar type game because their secondary is only averaging um, giving up 181 yards through the air so far. They've got a pretty good secondary, and it's it's going to come down to can we get those chunk plays? Can we can we do enough in the passing game again to allow us to continue to do what we what we want to do in the run game and open that up? Well, I think it's kind of what you said against USC, where Utah was able to to run the ball, get some momentum there, and then you know they took their shots downfield, and we want to see that more, right? We want to see them take a little bit more shots with a Theo Howard or, or with a Devon uh, Vele. Uh, but definitely, I think it starts with that running game for Utah. And, and if they have a back like like Tav- Tavion Thomas, if he can continue against that from what he did at USC, I think my one concern with the rush game um, is it seems like we don't know who that feature back is going to be in the game. Is that an, an issue? <clears throat> Maybe not. But I would love for them to be able to ride with one guy week after week after week. And and hopefully that is Thomas. This USC game was just kind of his his breakout game. And this week against Arizona State, he can pick up right where he was in Southern California. You know, I think I think you're right. I, but I, I think uh, as long as Thomas can hang on to the ball, he's going to be your feature back. Um you're going to, he's going to get breaks now and then. I don't think you can completely go away from Bernard and Pledger because they're, they both contribute in different ways. I think, I mean, Bernard really takes takes advantage in that swing pass play because he's fast out of the backfield. So they, they all, they all bring something, but I think, I think Thomas is going to be your guy moving forward as long as he can, hold on to the ball. And I think the tight ends in the passing game will play a huge role this week. Um, because if you can find them in the seam or, or, um, you know, 10 yards down the middle of the field and just start moving the ball, that opens up so many, so many options. Yeah. I mean, I keep, I keep going back to this, but I think, I think it's, it's going to be pivotal just to have a crazy environment. I mean, I go back, if you watch the ASU BYU game, ASU, I mean that the, the the BYU crowd was crazy. They were loud, and ASU struggled. They had 16 penalties for 121 yards. They they probably would have won that game if they just didn't keep killing themselves. They kept backing themselves up time in and time again. So you saw over the last couple of weeks where they have cleaned it up. You know they they. They went to UCLA, played a great, clean game at UCLA, and handled them. And then they did the exact same thing um, at home against Stanford on uh, on Friday night. And so uh, I just think that's going to be a key. Obviously, this is going to be a much tougher environment than those than those last two games. But that's where I think we can really have an advantage and slow this offense down because they are man. The last two weeks they have looked really good. Um, offensively and defensively, so it's going to be a tough task. There's no doubt about it. Um, but uh, I, th- I think I think that's going to be a big key is 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 if they're able to play clean. That's that's I man I know I know it's kind of dumb, but I I I really think that's going to be a big part of this game. 
Uh, and that's why I think a lot of it rise and dice with Jaden Daniels. On the year, four touchdowns, three interceptions. If you can keep him flustered, if you can keep that pressure on him, he does make mistakes and a lot of mistakes and will turn the ball over. Yep. And and I'll tell you, man, I, I hope we come out and just play press man on these guys. Safety help over the top and just just get them out of their out of their rhythm offensively. Again, Ryan, that you mentioned that in twenty nineteen is they just could never get any momentum in the run game or the pass game. And I, I, I want to see that aggressive play from our secondary. Get them in man press. Stop playing 15 yards off. Be aggressive with them. Don't let them into their routes. Let, you know, and let, let the defensive line just feast and, uh, and, and get to the quarterback quickly. I think you really have to start by making – Making trying to make Daniels beat you from the pocket, make make him be a strictly a passer, and I think increases that increases your odds of winning dramatically. All right, before we get into our prediction for the Utah ASU game, let's go ahead and look at Pac-12 games this past week. Probably the heartbreaker of them all: Washington State beats Oregon State thirty-one twenty-four. Oregon State, the kind of the hot team in the Pac-12. Uh, falls to to the Washington State Cougars, which, you know, maybe that, that win for Utah against Washington State is looking a little bit better. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that uh, I didn't see that one coming at all. And I, Oregon State gets to the top of the North Division, and then the pressure got a little too hot for them. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, college football on Saturday was just nuts. I mean, there are upsets all over the place. Which is not—it's not abnormal in the Pac-12. We're we're kind of used to seeing, you know, just craziness week in and week out. But yeah, I mean, I was—I thought Oregon State was rolling, and and what we saw from Washington State, I, I did not—I did not see that going. But that's kind of what you expect in the Pac-12 is expect the unexpected. And then and then the other game uh, we haven't talked about UCLA thumps Arizona thirty four sixteen. Is Arizona the worst team that's ever played in the Pac twelve? And they oh just gosh. lost their starting quarterback for oh, the I year. Just saw that. <laughs> so uh, they they may be looking at another winless season. Yeah, I thought they were getting better, but you know, I, I'm not seeing too much improvement week after week. There, maybe another year or two, maybe they'll get some guys, but. Right now, they are just awful. And then looking at the games of this week in the Pac-12, Oregon coming off their loss and then their bye uh, is hosting Cal. I mean, should be a win uh, for Oregon there. Probably the, the most intriguing game other than uh, Utah ASU is going to be Stanford-Washington State. Uh, I don't think you would say that maybe a week ago or even two weeks ago, uh, but that is could be a very important game for the North. And who is able to kind of stay right behind Oregon there, challenging challenging them uh, for the net, for the North Conference, and UCLA uh, hosts Washington. You, I don't you know you don't know what Washington team you're going to get. I guess same with UCLA. These both teams are kind of in flux right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to pull out see who pulls out ahead in that one. All right, and before we wrap up this episode, we'll go ahead and give our our prediction and our score for the Utah ASU game. Uh, Ryan, let's kick it over to you first. Who do you got and what's your score? I'm, of course, going to stick with my Utes, uh, and they are going to continue the hot streak. Utah 34, ASU 21. Wow, Scott, where are you going? Man, well, I'm kind of tempted to keep picking against the youth. Maybe it fires them up, and then they come out and just roll, man. But uh, Let, let's keep the streak going because I'm the only one who picked them last week. I know, I know, right? But um, all right, now I I'm back, man. I'm back on the bandwagon. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Utes 31, ASU 27. Uh, that's kind of where I, I'm leaning on this game. I got Utah 30. ASU 24. So that will do it for us on this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You can find me driving to Rice Eccles right now, getting out of my car and going and sitting in my seats for four days. Let's go! Utes, let's go! 
Show up on time, fans. Let's go. You man underscore forever. Yes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Utah Man Podcast at our home, utahmanpodcast.com. And anywhere listen to a podcast, we are there. You fans, echoing what Scott just said, what Ryan has said, get there early. Let's cheer on this team. Let's get that energy, that electricity going, those juices flowing early in this game. And anybody that shows up on time, Cam will have a cowboy corn dog waiting for you. Or a hot dog. <laughs> Go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes will be till I die. Kayai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.